We're trying to grow into the maturity. Nobody's, nobody's born into the maturity. So, um, and so that's where it took me time because I kind of thought after my first rotation, yeah, I got it down. Yeah, I didn't have it down. I thought I had it down. But then the more I grow through it, now I laugh when I catch myself going into it. See, because we don't know what comes upon. I was telling um, Charlena and them um, this morning, the Lord gave me such amazing revelation. And it's like all written down here. It's crazy. I'm not, I, I'd love to just teach this out, you know, from this morning. It's a couple pages. But um, what do you call it? But I got to teach what I got to, but some of it's going to come out. <laughs> but at the more he was showing me this morning that when we grow as a body, he is inhaling us and he's exhaling us. He's inhaling us. He's exhaling us. When he's inhaling us is when we all feel good. We're all feeling close knit. It's all good. But then when he's exhaling, he's moving us out into our own little isolation. And we really we're out there on strings and he's seeing where we're really at. And then he, he gathers us back into him. Do you know what I mean? But he puts us right, he breathes us out and he lets us experience whatever measure of growth we're going to experience. Mine's going to be different from yours. It's going to be, everybody's going to be different. So it's like really getting to know the rhythms of how the body breathes and what's happening in the body of Christ. You know what I mean? So people who are really in spirit and connecting every time they're going out for an exhale, all right, they're growing and then when he calls you, he calls, he always calls the flock back in. The flock's got to come in, right? He gathers the flock. But there's a time of exhale. And in that exhale, it is really cool. You know what I mean? That's where we're really, we're in the trial. We're being tested. You're going to, you feel more exposed. Do you know what I mean? But you have to know you're in a flock that's a safe place to grow. That really knows how to, somebody else who's been through it. Church is not just for entertainment anymore. It's not just to go in and get a message. It's not to go in to be a good boy and pay your tithes. It's not, it's that principles are great. And we've got to abide in the principles. Our heart wants to do that, but you still got to grow up. You have to change, right? That is the key because when you think that you, when you, uh, and I felt like that because I sat in the Episcopal church and I was good. I always gave money and everything. In fact, I think it's interesting before I met Jean, I had given the church a couple thousand dollars for this, uh, uh, um, addition that they were putting on. And I was a Sunday school teacher. I was a Sunday school teacher. I never opened my Bible. I just read the leaflet. Okay. I mean, I do laugh at that. I mean, I loved God and I loved church, but I didn't think that there was a place for me to grow up in it. Do you know what I mean? I did look at this as a history book. Do you know what I mean? I didn't look at it as a thing that I had to actually grow into. If I just connected, liked it and paid, that's what I was taught. That's what you were taught. That means that settled you. That made you firm in who you thought you were. When you come into a place like this, whew, you know what I mean? Every, like I've read in Thessalonians, you really do have to come out of the, what you were already taught, which has God in it, and it has Jesus Christ usually in it. That's where it is now. I mean, the word is out there. It's very rare that you meet somebody that hasn't, doesn't know who Jesus is. It is. I mean, they know who he is. They know the name. They know the name because it's the name above all other names. So praise God. Um, well, let's get into this. I don't know. I think, are we missing anybody? It's a small group today. Praise God. All right. Last week, we finished up talking about our soul and bondage. Now, what I thought was cool about this is we're going to start going into what worship is. And so our soul and bondage, we talked about the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven. Okay, and now if anybody, I think, I don't know if everybody was here on that Saturday night that I taught last. Okay, right. 
the law, I, I'm telling you, the revelation, he, Charisse, you just see what else he gave me to, to enter in on that. It's, it's a time for the uncapping of another measure of understanding the fullness of the mystery. Do you know what mystery means? Could be, right? Right, hidden. There's another word I'm thinking of, but that is right. A mystery is unknown. You know, when you speak up on the unknown, you know, your unknown language, you know, it's because you don't know what you're speaking, right? And that, that tongue. Mystery is an unknown. And he has his time and dispensations for it to be opened up for another measure of understanding. Praise God for the faith teachers and the people who've been teaching some of these other principles because you can't actually go into the next place without those principles and understanding what they've laid. But then they don't have the complete ticket because nobody does. Everybody in the body works in part. You know what I mean? So none of us, because you know what? I was looking this over, this picture, and I was thinking, wow, the enemy does come in the second heaven to block and hit Every religious thought that you have ever believed so you don't get into this third heaven. We don't, that third heaven is a place that we are to ascend into, all right? And the Lord showed me something about ascension that was really very powerful to me this morning. I couldn't even get out of my, I couldn't get out of my zone this morning. I mean, poor Rachel. She was late for work because of me. Normally, I am late to work because she's curling that hair, Right? I was like, I texted her. I was like, Rachel, I'm really into what I'm doing. We're not going until 11. She was already up. I mean, she was already on time. And so I kind of laughed at that because I didn't expect myself to kind of get caught up into what I got caught up into this morning. But I praise God because it's about, I liked it. The word ascend, he showed me, I looked up the definitions. Always when a word gets illuminated to me, the first thing I do is check up all its meanings because you got to start understanding. Well, one of the word, one of the definitions for ascend is to be inducted into royalty. So in the royalty of Christ, when he is trying to teach us, the Lord was showing me this, to break through the second heaven, which I have to tell you something. We can hit the second heaven and think we're in the third. I am telling you that. That's why we have to really know the difference between the, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And you've got to spend time with God. You've got to spend time in worship. You've got to spend time in the word for those revelations, those to, to just being, I call it, you know, the, the light goes on on the inside. You can see it in the person's eyes when they get the revelation and the understanding. But the second heaven is such a tricky place. It's so tricky because Satan already knows what hurts are in us. He already knows what things we've experienced in the past. He knows exactly how to come and get you to say everything you're not supposed to say. And you're thinking that it's, it's your value, and it really isn't. He is trying to help you ascend into the third heaven. He wants you to be inducted into, this is a royal place where, and he already, that's the most amazing thing. He already came and did his part. He opened up that place for us to ascend into the third heaven, to be interceding with him, to get right into the throne room with God. He already set that way for us. Now we have to do what? We actually have to participate in it. We actually, it's not, you know what I mean? You don't wake up and just confess, hey, Jesus died, was resurrected. It is about the resurrection. And you know, our, our time is really, how do we get into that third heaven? What, I love that book. What holds us back from getting into that third heaven so you can know the difference between the two. 
Well, when I was looking this over about the soul of bondage before we go into worship, and I was thinking of all the scriptures that we went over and we went over, and when you're in here and you feel the repression come, can you put on the screen, Charlena, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the, the verses I went over with you yesterday, 7, 8, and 9. 2 Corinthians 7, 8, and 9. And I really think that um, it is powerful when we think about how the Lord wants us to break the soul bondage. He wants us to know that he's, you know, here, here you go. Here you go. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. There we go. This is what we taught last went Thursday. So, yeah. Yeah, and remember in this book, in our vision booklet, this is called the Seasons of Victory. This is our Seasons of Victory. All right. This, this, I love this verse. I was actually feeling struggle a couple days ago. It's amazing. Anytime the Lord is pulling me into a greater understanding, I actually feel beat up. I was laying in bed. I felt some dark spirits really trying to get to me. You know what I mean? And then I go into work and work is what? Getting to me because there's a purpose. When the enemy sees you're about to get into another level or God's, you're, you're really pressing through and giving God the time to learn what he wants you to know. I'll tell you this, this, I have read this verse, but it even came to a greater life to me. It says, and to keep me from being what? Puffed up. You need one puffed up and too much elated about the exceeding greatness, the preeminence of these what revelations. Oh my gosh. Uh, that I have read that and read that and read that. But as we are learning to ascend up into the third heaven, so we can truly get our truth. Okay. That's where you really get processed, getting squeezed through that second heaven to get up to the third, to get the truth. He says, when you get up there, man, you come down and you're just like, I just was with God. There is a measure that every time we give it a revelation, guess what happens to it too? We can get a little what? Puffed up, right? Because we're feeling that anointing. We're growing in this. There is a pride that hits us. I mean, I say this in love because I know when I was like overzealous, I could make somebody throw up on the word. I mean, because I didn't know how to judge what to feed and not to feed. I just kept what? Pressing it out there. And part of that was pride, right? So it says, he said, this is Paul speaking to the church saying, and to keep me, me, Paul, from being puffed up and too much elated by the exceeding greatness, the preeminence. I'm going to tell you, when you get into that third heaven, you are hitting a place that is exceeding greatness. And in that exceeding greatness, he reminds us, he, Paul was inducted into the royalty. You know, he didn't really get to see Jesus, right? But Jesus came, ascended to him and changed and converted him. When it is time for your conversion, for you to be Jesus is Lord, and you are now working this vertical relationship with him, man, he's going to take you to some exceedingly great places. Places that are what? Preeminent of a revelation. We can only grow into maturity by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's a revelation. How do you start gaining revelation? You got to study and you have to what? Gain knowledge. 
But in the revelation, the understanding, I like it, the little menorah in the holy place lights up when the true revelation sticks. We can get elements of things that we know, but if we do not know him in it, then we just, it's just a piece of knowledge. It's something we memorized. That's why there's a difference between the word memorize and the word meditate. Okay? They're two different words. When you memorize, you are working to get it into you so you can say, I know that. But when you meditate, it's now becoming a part of you. So even Paul said that he had to, he had to really be, he had to recognize that sometimes you can get puffed up with all this greatness and all these revelations. He said, there was given me, now here's where we go. He said, there was giving me a thorn, a splinter in the, what's the key word? Flesh. Okay. This is so awesome because we're still made. We are what? Spirit and we're flesh. We are spirit, soul, body. We are all one. All right. So we still have our flesh. God, even Paul could have reached all this great knowledge and had been in these exceedingly awesome. And he is spending time in third heaven. He is getting the messages. He's doing what he's called to do, but he still had a thorn in his flesh. Something that would remind him to not to, to what not. Don't get puffed up. Man, Jesus is the only one that walked in the complete fullness of the fivefold. He had the fullness of everything. He is incarnate. We are, we are, we are blessed that we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit so we can tap into our Father and get revelation and do what we're called to do. But that's why I love this vision about soul in bondage. Because when the enemy sees you're getting this, man, okay, you are going to be tested. I, like I said before, inhale, the body gets close. You're safe. You feel good when you're close to your leaders, close to your teachers. But then there's a time of what? Exhale, where you're out there and now you're being tested. What did you gain when you were inhaled? Now I'm going to exhale you, put you out there. Let me see how you do. Okay. And guess what's going to happen? When darkness sees the exhale, boom, thorns with an S in the flesh start coming out because God is going to really test you with what he's given you. All right. So that's how we build the boldness in Christ in us. The boldness in us is that word has been tested. That word has been implanted. And now my soul is not in bondage to the understanding of that word anymore. You know, when I understand temptation gets conceived, that doesn't mean you did it yet. Temptation is trying to conceive a thorn in your flesh. It's trying to get you to agree to something. And you can take that volume down just a little bit on the music, just a little bit. So he says to track. So why? He says, so there's a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to do something, to do what? Rack and buffet and harass me to keep me from being exceedingly exalted. But it does have a purpose. The purpose is also to identify the darkness in us. What is that thorn in our flesh? I mean, when we start recognizing it, I love it. Paul prayed unto God. He said, I prayed to you how many times? Three times I called upon the Lord to besought him about this. And I begged that it might depart from me. Now I'm going to tell you, he puts us in a place of needing him. Oh man, every time I start realizing it, like, you know, because why? You can get strong 
You know, a lot of people say, Lee, you're a really strong woman. You know, that's great. And then I have my times in bed where I am crying. You know what I mean? And I'm not strong at all. And, you know, and I realize that we all have been given the measures of leadership, measures of what our assignment to do. But he still is going to give me a what? A thorn in my flesh that is going to cause me. My man, I, I thought about that when I was meditating on this the other morning. Man, when I broke my ankle, I love that. He was bringing me down to get me to do what? Rest so he can give me something out. But at the same time, I'm such a doer. You got to, I mean, to be laying on a bed and you can't go do anything. Oh, it bothered me. I made, I had Rachel and Jamie up at seven o'clock in the morning. Jamie came. She helped me with my, I, it was like business running my house. Do you know what I mean? And I just had to sit there. Rachel could barely take it. She is so bossy mom. You know what I mean? But I was saying, can you get me this? Can you get me this? But you know, it really, it, 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 what it was is I love how the Lord was really processing me and putting me in something. You know what I mean? Because why? He was going to get another measure out of you. It's going to be another measure of exceeding greatness. It's going to be another measure of his revelation. So you have to know that anything that you are sorrowing now in your life, something that you sorrow, something that you know you just don't have, and it brings you sorrow, it's only a thorn in your flesh. God hears your prayers. He just wants to make sure you're always going to what? Need him. He wants you to know that you're going to need him. You know what? I was reading in... um. Put, oh, wait, hold on. I'll finish this out. But he said to me, as he prayed unto God three times, he said to me, yes, you may pitch a tent over. Okay. You may say to me, I missed it. What was the screen before? Okay. It says, but he said to me, my grace, my favor and my Loving kindness and my mercy is enough for you, sufficient against any danger and enables you to bear the trouble manfully. So what, whatever we have, he already says, whatever in our human man, it is going to be something that we can withstand, we can do. He says, for my strength, see, that's what he wants us to say. For your strength, the greater one is in me than I am in this world. For your strength and power are made perfect fulfilled and completed and show themselves most effective in your weakness. So the whole time, anything that's going on in your life, that's where I start. Now I start smiling. Anything in my life, okay, just surrender. He is trying to perfect me in something. That's all he's trying to do. Perfect me in another revelation. Let's go back to the beginning. This, no, don't go back to the beginning. But that's what the verse started out with. I was... You can get puffed up, but when he sees that, he's smart enough. He's going to exhale you out. He's going to put you right back out there, and then you're going to experience a trial, a tribulation, something, so that he can bring you right back into the ark. I like it. Bring it right back into the chest, which is the Holy Spirit. We've got to go back into the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given to us as a counselor, as a helper, as a guide, as a guarantee that if we draw back into him, we inhale back into the Holy Spirit, he's going to then start showing you that next place. And so it's so awesome. So he says, and therefore I will all the more gladly glory in my weakness and my infirmities that the strength and the power of Christ may rest upon me. So as we are growing and we're developing in this, we have to, Christ is wanting to strengthen that power. He's wanting to strengthen whatever's going on you, but he's going to do it in your weakness.
Because in your weakness, and this is where I was teaching on that Saturday night, in your weakness is where the false humility moves out and his, the true humbleness of Christ. That is where Christ wants to dwell. He wants to dwell in a humble, in a broken heart where he comes in. And so I do love this because he wants to pitch a tent over and he wants to dwell that glory onto us as we walk out. And so the Lord was showing me, Sherlina, go ahead and put up second um, uh, Genesis chapter two. I want to show you something that I saw that I thought was really good. And the Lord showed this to me. And after I, t- I taught it to Jamie last night, we were sitting in the car during Wednesday night teaching. I was like, Jamie, I was teaching her this verse about how we have to have a thorn in our flesh. Now, wait, hold on. Genesis 2. Hold on. I think it's, I think it's 2.18 I start with. All right, yeah, 18. Genesis 2.18 says, now this is interesting. I kept think, okay, what's up with this thorn in your flesh, right? All right, and so this is what the Lord really showed me. This is so awesome. It says, now the Lord God said, it is not good, sufficient or satisfactory that a man shall not be what? Alone, okay? Bye, Carl. And I will make him a what? A helpmeet. Suitable and adaptable, complementary. This is all where it got started, the flesh in the side, right? He actually says, Adam was doing pretty good, but he saw Adam was, he needed something else. And Adam was supernatural, okay? Adam didn't have to wear clothes. There wasn't cold, hot. He had to do this. He had to do that. He was walking, enjoying his fellowship with God, all right? So then jump down to, hold on, where he put him into his sleep. I'm not looking at the, my, my one Bible. Okay. Now go to verse, I think it, this is verse 21. Go to eight, go to 221. Okay. So now keep in mind, God is saying man should not be what? Alone. So he's going to make him a helper suitable. Genesis 221. Genesis 221. I want you to follow along with this a little bit because you're going to you're going to get this, the thorn in the flesh thing, you know? All right. So now it says 2.21, Genesis 2.21 says, and the Lord God now, because he was going to bring him a suitable helper. Now the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. Do you know what, when we are growing in the glory of God, sometimes there's a heaviness that falls on us and it brings us, has anybody experienced that? The deep sleep of God? because he's working something in our flesh, okay? I love this. He took one of his ribs or a part of his side and he closed up the place with what? Flesh. Oh my gosh, this is so awesome. Adam had no, Adam was a being. He was the, Jesus was the second Adam, right? So that means, that means Adam was whole. Adam was not to be in his flesh, All right, so now God puts him into a deep sleep. He takes out a rib that was holy. Adam was supernatural. So he took that rib out, but then he filled the place with what? He gave Adam his spot of weakness. It wasn't the woman. He put the flesh in the spot where he took. Okay, now isn't this awesome? 
Even Adam had to have a thorn in the flesh, okay? All right, the Lord, I'm telling you, this is so good. Go to the next verse. Go to the, ne uh, go to the next verse, 22. Don't you think this is cool? Because you want to, everybody, you know, people do blame the woman all the time, but God already had it in his plan that when he took that supernatural rib out of Adam and he filled that place with what, everybody? Flesh, okay? A place of flesh, our fleshly desires. Remember, the spirit lusts against the flesh. The flesh lusts against the spirit. So Adam had to have a piece of flesh in him to be able to fall, okay? Because other than that, do you get what I'm saying? God, this is God's plan. He is, he created the heavens. He created the earth. He's in charge of all of us, all of us. It says, and the rib are the part of his side, which the Lord God had taken from the man. He now took that piece of Adam and now he built up and made into a woman. And when he built her up and he made her, then he brought her to him. Okay. So the Lord was showing me how that when Paul recognized that he could not be puffed up in the revelations that he was getting, that there was a thorn in his flesh. When the Lord showed me that, he said, well, I put flesh into Adam. So when Eve did get confused and Eve did brought it, there, the flesh was already what? God already made it that he already made it the plan. Nobody was going to be greater than Jesus. Nobody was going to. Jesus was the full incarnate God in the flesh. He was in flesh, but he wasn't of the flesh. But Adam, God already put that little piece of what? Flesh right in where his rib was. Isn't that powerful? When Lord showed me that, he was showing me that, um, you know, we're all going to have something that we have to work out. So we sometimes get so puffed up and where we think we should be and what we should be doing that that's actually what puts our soul in bondage. When we don't realize that we even have flesh that has to be dealt with, that's where we get stuck in the second heaven. Satan comes as an angel of light, speaking the word, saying the word, doing everything right to pull you in a way that's away from where God is trying to get you. He's trying to keep you on a little path, but he recognized we're like Adam. We're like Adam. We have what? We have, we're, we're flesh. All right, but we're flesh and we are what? Spirit. Our soul has to be renewed to do what the flesh either wants or to do what the spirit is asking us to do. So I want to keep you worship, which we're going to go into the worship about ascension. Worship was put in place so we could, the flesh could be burnt up by the consuming fire of God. When you really start pressing into worship, to ascend, to get to that third heaven, you've got to know when you go through the second heaven, you are going to burn up. You are going to either get sick, an infirmity is going to come out. Things are going to start to magnify because to get to the third heaven, you've got the third heaven is the holy of holies. The secret place, you're in that place, you're protected. Remember, it says get in the secret place and you're going to be what? Protected in the secret place. But that's your time of holy time with God, studying the word, worshiping him, allowing your flesh to be consumed by the fire so you can enter the holy of holies and get the real answer. And you know when it's the real answer. I've, my experience is when I get sucked up in that, in that heaven, it is amazing, this chart. You see how it's so tight at first? 
you are burning up there. <laughs> you are burning up. And guess what? Your mind says, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. But when you actually start breaking through, okay, your praise and worship, it gets easier. For me, it doesn't take me, it doesn't take me any time. If I really press in and my, my mind is focused, I get up there so fast, I don't even know how long I've been sitting in my bed. Because why? He's working on me. My flesh isn't perfect yet. It just means it's easier for me. I recognize when the burning's happening. I know when to keep pressing through. I know how to keep moving in that ascending feeling. And I'm going to tell you, when you hit the third heaven, you have hit perfect love. That's why it says, you're not, your prophecies what? Stop. Tongues shall what? Cease. When you are in the Holy of Holies, there's no, you are in. You are in. There is no trying to get in anymore. You are there. You are there to receive something. That's why Gene turns the music down and he says, what to everybody? Listen. Because we know when the presence comes in here. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's in the same place because everybody's learning to ascend in. But when you come into a body that knows how to ascend in, jump in, the water's fine. You know what I mean? Meaning you're in an area, you're safe. This ministry is a very clean, pure-hearted ministry where you're safe. You're not in a place where Gene is not watching, monitoring, or we're not knowing what is in the atmosphere. You can feel it. You know when there's a lot of flesh in here because it fights the atmosphere. You can walk into it. You can feel the fight is on. You can feel, and it's not with people. Everything's in what? Spirit. You know, when spirits come in, their job is not to hurt you. Their job is just to prevent you from getting to the third heaven. And that's why Jesus set a way for us to get there. But he says, now you're going to have to work this out with me in a relationship. Because everybody has to learn what holds them back. Everybody has a soul in a bondage. All right. And he says, and I love this. God has made us to be perfected in love. We are to be perfected in loving him. In our love for him is what truly ascends us. The Lord was showing me, this is how ascension came on to me this morning. I was, I was just reading, reading, and I saw a verse in um, Psalms 127, and um, I sent it to Carrie, you know, because Carrie's been talking about getting up to the mountain, getting up to the mountain, getting up to the mountain. Getting to the mountains, getting to the third heaven is breaking through, and he's been kind of struggling in that belt. And he's trying to break through. So I sent him a thing about get to the mountain, you know, and I can't remember what the verse said. But then I noticed at the top of that verse, I saw ascent, a psalm to ascent. And I'm going to tell you, it pierced me. And then I looked at the verse before that, 126, it said ascent. And then I looked at 125, it said ascent. And then I looked at, I was getting into this. I was like, hey, do all, and it's, and it's a new Bible I'm looking at, Right that said ascent. So I started going through the pages. And then I was like, all right, starting at Psalm 120 is when it says the Psalm to ascent. All right. Then I kept going now the other way because I started at 127. And then I got all the way to, let me tell you what it is. 121 says a song of ascent. Psalm 129, a song of ascent. Psalm 131, Psalm 130, 132, 133, 134, a song of ascent. Isn't that awesome? So then it was saying something. Okay, yeah, 135 is not a song to ascent. So from 120, which is after Psalms 119, all the way to 135, I'm going to ask everybody to meditate on those verses. 
man, I could not get out of them this morning because it gives us keys of how to ascend. It's songs. When we're in spirit, remember what the word said in Ephesians. If you are in spirit, what's the first thing you do? You are singing song. We worship God. We enter in anything first through praise, worship, thanksgiving that turns into what? Prayer that then turns into prophecy that turns into, I mean, he says your praise and your thanksgiving and your love unto him, it is such an unconditional love. Those Psalms, if you read Psalms 120 to Psalms 134, they truly do talk about what has to clear your mind, what has to get out of the way for you to ascend, ascent is the word that it's used. But I thought that was cool. I never noticed that. And as I was going through and I started reading it, it is truly powerful how David knew how to ascend. He knew how to get up into that place. But I liked it. Through Jesus, see, I like it. God chose certain people, certain people of faith. He chose certain people's lives to teach us a way. But then when he sent his son to take on all the sin, he gave us, he gave us our permanent sacrifice, his blood to enter in. Because he said before you entered into the temple, you had your sacrifice and then you had to wash your feet. You had to cleanse your body. Well, our sacrifice is Jesus Christ. He cleanses us to enter into the Holy of Holies. But now in the Holy of Holies, it's up to you. You have to spend time in the Holy of Holy place so you can get to the Holy of Holies, which has the true answers. And I'm going to tell you, the moment, the moment you start this pattern of truly becoming a worshiper, it says he's looking at the end times for the what? The worshiping bride. Because he knows the worshiping bride is getting into the real holy of holies. And the enemy wants to do everything to boom, stop that bride. Because if he can get it, I love it, Teresa, we laugh at this. Do you know what I mean? She is going to get into the holy of holies, right, to get an answer. And then he brings something that's going to entertain her what? Her flesh, right? And that could be a job. It could be her saying, I'm putting a sign out and I'm moving, right? It was hitting her flesh. The whole time, because if he knew he could get her to leave here, it would delay something she was to receive here. Because God, just like Paul, he gives us a thorn in the flesh to bring down our element of being puffed up so he can get us to the next level. It's just like what he talks about in John in chapter 15. He's going to do what? As your tree is growing, if you are a tree that produces fruit, he's going to do what? Prune you. Right. So we've got to be prepared. I love all the different metaphors and ways you can look at the growth that we have to go through, but we truly have to be pruned. And in the pruning, we learn.
We all got to get, okay, there we go. Praise God. Sorry about, see, this message is so good that the enemy wants to stop me in my tracks and say, hey, let's go get something to drink. Let's go out to dinner, right? All right. So praise the Lord. So when the Lord gave me that revelation, God already set this rotation already from the beginning. So I, you know what, when I, when the Lord gives me something like this, what it does for me is it clears any of the fields of my brain thinking that I am not a complete loser. Do you know what I mean? I'm not completely out of this realm of what God is doing. I'm not trying to fit into the mold of the church. I'm not trying to fit in. I'm just trying to go home, worship God, read my word, and let his revelation bear witness with the Holy Spirit that's in me. Because when God starts talking to us, something in you gets excited. It, It bellows up. And then it makes you want to sing. It makes you want to get closer. You actually fall in love with him so much, which is what we're going to do for glory night. This glory night, we're going to talk about loving. Because I said something that really shocked Mamie last week, I guess. I said, we can't be like Songs of Solomon, where Solomon knocked on the door to make love to his bride. And she said what? Uh, No, I already washed my feet. I put on my nightgown. I'm not getting up to open that door. But she got convicted, and in that conviction, she ran to the door. And when she ran to the door and opened it, he was gone. It's the same way, God. He wants us to come and love him just like that. When he comes knocking, because you all know how it feels, he wakes you up in the middle of the night. And I'm telling you this. If you cannot sleep, if you are not sleeping, that's because he wants you to worship him. There is no thing as, I have this illness that helps me not, I need to go take sleeping pills. I, I did not know that until I came to this ministry. And the Lord said, that's just me waiting for them to connect with me. He will wake you up. But you, and you might not hear his voice. You could be sitting up wide awake. I, I was the past two nights, sat up two o'clock, two nights in a row, sitting up there. Why am I up? And I really, my flesh wanted to do what? I'm not going to lie. My flesh wanted to sleep. But I sat up and I knew it was him because my spirit started to stir. And I knew, I knew I had to get up and worship. And you know, it's crazy. There's a song that I worship to and it wasn't even a worship song. It was Paul McCartney's Silly Love Songs. You know that song, Silly Love Song? You know, and um, I love the part where, um, I'll, I'll play a part of it because he he was making me love on him. And this song, I put it on repeat, repeat, repeat. And it's not even a worship song. But guess what? It's about what? Love. Don't you love this? You know it? Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Can Rick? This is me. I'm worshiping to the song, right?
Isn't that it? Do you get it? What I'm trying to show you is God, he is going to put a song in your heart that is going to help you, the spirit and your soul ascend into that heaven. And when he gives you that song, you want to play it. I'm going to tell you, this song, Jean left on vacation, and I had to drive Rachel somewhere the next day. She came back from her vacation, and we're sitting at McDonald's, and that's a song playing. And I've been looking for a song, something that to get myself back up. Well, the past two nights, over and over, and all I'm singing is, I love you, right? I mean, all I'm singing that, and, pray, and it, guess what? Then the revelation poured onto me this morning about incension. And, you know, here I've experienced being lifted up. I know when I'm getting into that place. And I, you have to, God knows your timing. He knows when you have to go to work the next day. He knows what he's working on in your flesh. Even in Paul's word, when he's wanting to break a soul bondage. Like I love Kendrick's testimony. He was worshiping in his garage. He felt something lift, lift, left him. That was great. That was Hebrews chapter 12. Lay every weight aside because he can't bring you into that place until you've what? You have had to lay every weight aside, but you've got to spend time with him and you feel, you don't have to know what that weight, but you know, you just did what? Lift it up higher. When a weight gets dropped off your shoulders, you were what? Lifting up higher. And so God is truly opening up us to know the true resurrection the true feeling of how it gets to ascend right up to where God is. And you know what? That's, it's shocking because sometimes the people believe that they're supposed to stay in that sorrow. But he says in Thessalonians that once you get used to this pattern, it's not painful anymore. It may, you may experience some sorrow. And you know what holds you back for sorrow? Two things. When you are going through this change, what holds you back and you know you're diverting into the wrong place First, you have lost the fear of the Lord. When we are not spending time with God, something else is entertaining you, and you are truly not fearing the one who created the heavens, the earth, and can do anything. And he reminds you in that in the ascension of Psalms, he talks about reminding us about the fear of the Lord. And then the second thing that hits you, which is awesome because I read an article that backed this up, well, just a part of it that kind of backed it up. It was for the realtors. But... If you truly, if not having the fear, you're not humbled. There's a, there's a working of what is true humbled. But then you know if you start getting diverted into this list of things. Now think about it. If you start feeling depression, if you start, okay, I'm just going to read this. It says, you, we cannot keep playing with fire. All right? You know you can't get into the holy holies and be playing in the holy place and dabbling out with sin. What is sin? Sin is missing the mark. What's missing the mark? Of faith in Christ. Okay? So when we start pulling away, if we're not ascending, it's because we have a heavy weight on our shoulder where we have lost hope in what Jesus has. And we give legal access to the enemy to invade darkness and to start creating the false hope. He actually starts creating a false hope to keep you in this so you don't get ascended into the third heaven. And so if you are falling towards a false hope, then that means it's going to be attached with what? Sin. The purpose of sin is to make you miss the mark. What's the target? Hitting the third heaven. Getting to where you need to be.
And so it says, it, I, I love this. The truth about sin is, here's the truth about sin. It will always, and we heard Robin say this the other day. It'll always take you further than you want to go. It'll always cost you more than you want to pay. And it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. Now, and that, guess who's laughing then? The enemy. He's laughing saying, I got her selling her house. I got him doing this. You know what I'm saying? But then it goes on to say, sin, this is the key thing. Now, here we go. Everybody wants to know, well, how will I know? How will I know? How will I know I've lost the fear of the Lord? How will I know I lost the hope of Christ, who is our hope of glory? How do I know? I loved it. Sin never satisfies. Never satisfies you. You are not going to feel satisfied. And how do you know that? If you are not satisfied, that means you always want more and more of yourself until you become so captive that then you start flirting with sin because you don't now you're embarrassed to go back. So you start actually flirting with sin and then you have patterns. You don't feel good. You feel defeated. You feel insecure. You feel insignificant and you start playing with a fire that leads you into the self-destructive patterns of depression, shame, blame, bitterness, self-condemnation. I love this one because this is the one that hits me. Procrastination, <laughs> ego, pain. You actually start feeling physical, mental, emotional pain, confusion, violence, deception, and the worst of worst of worst, suicide. All right. So now, um, it was an article from Danny Johnson. She wrote a thing, what to do and what to not do in the trial. I sent it out to my real estate agents because in real estate, there's no deal that doesn't have a what? A trial. She does, she teaches business principles. And so I was reading this and I started laughing. So I emailed it out to everyone. I gave Charlene a copy and I started been teaching. The, the article's good in general. So it really does. If you're in a situation and you are not being satisfied, and you already start, that means you're being drawn. Now, the beginning part, what I read about hope, that's not in here. This just talks about the do's and don'ts of a trial. What I was telling you about the fear of God, that's in Psalms, okay? That's not in this article. But in Psalms, it leads us to tell us that if we're pulling away from, because remember, the ultimate thing is get to the third heaven. Jesus died was buried and was resurrected back up to the throne of God. He laid us a way to do that now. We're not going to reach our full glory until we actually what? Truly are resurrected and in our eternal life of heaven. But we can experience the glory of the resurrection now. And now I can only speak because the Lord has experienced me by lifting me up in that, giving me answers. And those answers is what cleared the field, changed things around me. Because when I spoke what he told me to, spoke, to speak, and I could hear and take instruction from somebody who I didn't even, people I didn't even respect, or I didn't even think I respected, he gave me a heart to love everybody. I can have a heart to love. There isn't one person. I don't care if somebody came in and they said that he murdered a whole bunch of people. Guess what I'm going to think about that person? Is that he doesn't know God. And I can't blame him for an action that Satan did through him. I can get mad at Satan, but I'm not going to get mad at that man 
because that man is no better than me. Because that man could be influenced in suicide. That man could be influenced in depression. That man could be hit with, we do, with what we don't know. That's why prison ministry to me is really important, that there are people who are truly called. Like, that's awesome about Wendy's tr- called. She wants to be with those prisoners to, because she knows what she's experienced. So she wants them to experience that too because when they get it right, you can be in jail and you could be worshiping God, getting your information, and he has got all this other stuff that could pardon your move. Because why? Jesus wasn't pardoned. I want you to think about this. Jesus opened the way because he wasn't pardoned. He, there was even an opportunity where they get to choose what? One to release. But that wasn't Jesus. Jesus' assignment was to come and feel and take the burden of sin, to take all of sin's pain, to fulfill the law that none of us can fulfill. Only in our heart condition can God pardon something through the Son of His, through the Son of Jesus. And that's where it, I can see where the different messages that are out there have gotten so prostituted. Because that the one thing it says, the greatest gift that can be given to you is the gift of love. And it's loving Him. Then He pours a love onto you, and that love bellows out to people. All right, and then you can be used as a vessel to heal, to touch, to do. And I like it. He uses everyone, even a baby, because whatever measure of Christ in you, that's the measure that can be used in you. But we walk it out in faith and believing that development. So I love this because how do you know? I like it. How does Gene know when somebody's going through? You can see the dissatisfaction. You can see the confusion. You can see they just they don't know what the answer is. If you don't know what the answer is. That's because when you get something in the third heaven, and this is my experience, your faith is so great, even though everybody's going to tell you how stupid you are. You just keep doing it. And you, you really do. It's like little blinders, like, you know, where horses wear. You stay so directed and so focused on that assignment. You put those plugs in. You know what I mean? Because you're not, because everybody's going to try it. The enemy will do everything to the last moment to get you to turn off that experience of experiencing a miracle. And that's the miracle of Jesus Christ. Because he is the hope of glory, and he lives and dwells in us, and he wants to abide and make a home with us so we can fellowship with the Father every minute of the day. We should be able to sit in our desk and say, I need an answer. And you can feel the column come down. And you just know that's the answer. And you may not hear a voice. It could be an interprompting. Everything God has leaded me down, when I get into that focus and I immediately fall down, I ask. But then there are times things are, I'm growing. And when the, when the next layer comes off me and I start seeing myself get what? Dissatisfied. That was the best way I've ever seen it written. When you are not satisfied, then that means you are starting to steer towards sin. I mean, and that's crazy. And now sin, I've gotten to learn to accept. Sin is missing the mark of the faith in Jesus Christ and what we're to hope in. So when that part's cut off, you know what I mean? You are starting to lead down another road, and then it gets harder to get back. It seems like it's harder to get back. Has anybody ever had that experience? You're going a certain way, and then your pride takes you where you don't want to turn back. So the bondage of our soul, there are things that we all have to experience. We are going to have thorns in our flesh. That's why I started off with that verse. God created it from the very beginning when he put flesh into Adam and he caused the whole move of the fall 
so he could prove himself great. All right? And he wants to give us great revelation so that the only thing we can do is give the glory unto God. That's why the ascension of worship, that's the big dispensation move. It is a big move in the body of Christ right now because people know how to praise God. They haven't entered into the fullness of worshiping him. It's a miss or hit. I'm not saying they haven't experienced it. It's a miss and hit. But this ministry is to teach that impact and then to go out. It's been so awesome in that one church in Hinesville. The one church in Hinesville, we told Robin to stay there because we know Robin knows how to, we know she knows how to break through. And she just went there as a normal patron. And they connected with us. Time, love, money, everything. They started growing. She's even a real estate agent with our firm. And when we entered in, we did a couple teachings, and then boom. And we weren't even there. Robin was there that Sunday. And the Lord kept telling, you know, having, encouraging her to push in, and the glory came. Isn't that awesome? Who knows what happened and miracles happened because who knows what was said in the glory? Who knows what they experienced? But I love it. The tent, he even said in, in Corinthians, he loves that tent. He wants that to be that tent to be upon us. So I'm a tabernacle, I'm a temple, but he wants the tent of the glory hovering over us. So when we enter into a place, we're so in tune with him, we're only going to do what he says, do it how he wants it, because he's trying to lay some seeds somewhere. I like this. We sow in the spirit, says, you know, when you sow in the spirit, we're going to reap life, you know, we're going to reap from that. And so when we spend time in our worship, God, you are sowing seed that you're going to reap back the glory of him in you growing so that you can go into your next place or where you're to grow or who you're to minister to. And see, that's, that's the beauty of this growth. And he says, if you're with me, you don't have to worry about what? Prosperity. Your source of supply is going to be met. You are going to hear the answers from God. And there are going to be angels that restrain. This is where I love about the commission of Christ. He says, you're going to be able to cast out a demon. You're going to be able to do what? Speak in a new language. You're going to be speaking what he tells you to say. The third thing is he's going to, you can play with any danger and it cannot what? Hurt you. You can't mess. A serpent is danger. It's a sign of danger. It can't hurt you. And guess what? You can eat something that is deadly. And if you're on his assignment, that's why he says Wherever your assignment is, eat with the people. I love that, right, Kendrick? I mean, you have to laugh at that because wherever your assignment is, you can't be hurt by what is. And the Lord even showed me in Matthew. He said, you claim it unclean, unclean. He, he put this verse. He said, it says, what you call unclean is unclean. That, I started meditating on that and I started thinking about it. Oh my gosh, what you call unclean is unclean. That means the power is in us to already decide what's clean and what's not clean. When we have the power to call something what? Clean. That's casting a devil out. We actually have that ability to call something clean that we think is dirty. And I, let me, I mean, I am laughing because I'm meditating on this verse. And Rachel tells me to, to take the dog somewhere. And I love how God teaches me. When I'm meditating on something, what it's got to become a part of you, right? Well, our dog is old. And it's kind of a little bit decrepit, right? <laughs> I don't know if anybody's seen it. But she's kind of getting into her last days. And we have to kind of carry her down the stairs, lift her up. Well, Rachel said, Mom, you need to carry her up. Well, I looked at her and what's the first thing I thought? I thought she wasn't what? 
I didn't want to pick her up with my hands. Right. I, I know this is terrible, but she has a limp leg, right? And her limp leg, sometimes she pees on herself because her one leg, she's struggling with her walking. So I was like, I don't have a towel to pick her up. So what do I do? I'm already deciding in my thought that this dog is unclean. So what do I do? I still pick her up because I, I remember I, 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 the moment happened. I go to pick her up. And I go like this, I'm already deciding she's unclean. Why? Because that's the word I'm meditating on. And I'm like, and then I force myself through the barrier, but I've already made the what? Connection. So I picked her up and I went like this. I smelled my hands. They smelled like dog, right? So I run into the house. What do I do? Wash my hands, right? And then all of a sudden I go like this with my eye, right? I rub my eye. I'm in the car a couple hours, my eye it's like really itching. It's really itching, right? I look in the mirror and there my eye is red. Did anybody remember two weeks ago my eye was red? All right, so then I took the contact out, cleaned it up. I figured I just washed my eye out. I figured I just it irritated, right? Put the contact back in and the redness gets what? Worse, right? And so I knew, I went to the eye doctor. I had to get new contacts anyway. And he goes, hey, let me check that redness in your eye. I said, yeah, I really think it was a dirty contact. You know what I mean? I'm like making all my excuses. And he says, let me put a little dye in there. So he puts a little dye in there. He goes, yeah, you know, I think I can give you some medicine. I said, no, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. I said, I'm not making that mistake. He's like, I'll give you that prescription. I said, nope. I said, just give me new contacts. Because contacts now, you don't have to clean them. You just keep them and throw them away. You know what I mean? And I was out of contacts. So I was trying to live with the dirty contact. But do you get what I'm trying to say on this? The word is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division between the soul, the soul, and the spirit, and in the joints and the marrow, your fiber. So whatever you believe is what's going to produce in you. And so now I, I, the Lord was teaching me. I called the dog unclean. And when I touched my eye, now you think about that. If I didn't even think, and I picked that dog, and I did that, I bet you that, guess what? I would, have, I would have never gotten that. I would have never gotten that, that in my eye. And I did not take medication, and it was gone the next day. The moment I faced the doctor, I told the doctor, you know, and I just, it was gone. It was, it was just completely gone. But that's how silly it is because that's where God, everything he does is training you. He says, we are to be trained by this. Man, we're in this ministry to be what? trained by this. When we hear, we are hearers and then we are doers. So what are you hearing? And then when you hear it in your thought, you automatically come into agreement. I don't even have to say, I'm in agreement with you. She could say something, I hear it and, I, and I'm like, yep. And then I start coming into agreement with it. And then now I've called that on to me, whether good or bad, whether life or death. We actually do that to ourselves because we love people so much. We want to be around people when God says, I want you all to me. Now I'm going to put you a place where you're going to respect leaders. And now this is where I'm, I love this. You can be with any leader. And even if a leader tells you to do something that's not right, if it's under God, then you're safe. You are awesome. You're passing a test of being able to take instruction and what? Do it. You're about to get promoted. I love that. When I learned that, how in the word, every good prophet, you know, had to hear what from God, but there was a system. Even Moses had to tell Aaron what to say. There was always a system. Jesus had to tell his what disciples what to do, but he was getting it from God. All right. And they probably thought, well, the word says this. I mean, come on. How many times the Pharisees? Well, why are you doing this? 
why are you doing this? All right, so think about it. God does test our loyalty to whatever leader he assigns us to, but we're only safe in the leaders that we're in the place where we're assigned to be. That's why he says you have to seek God and know where are you called? Because wherever you're called, that's where you're called to grow up to the next measure for your next move. All right. And so it's not like it is awesome when I got that revelation of understanding of how we get tested in our faith. We get tested in our loyalty. We get our tested our ability to hear and do. Man, Charlene, don't you laugh around here when Gene tells somebody does something that's really crazy? Yeah, you're just like this. I hope they pass the test. <laughs> you do. You say, I hope they pass the test. Because immediately our intellect comes in and starts working our thoughts. Our intellect really does. And you have to ask yourself, is that my soul in bondage? Or is that really what God is telling me to do? God is never going to go against anything that has to do with respect, loyalty, honor. Nothing's going to go against his 10 commandments. So you always have to say that. Know those commandments. That's why they were in the Holy of Holies. You're never going to go against them. All right. But all this other stuff that we fail, do you know what I mean? God sent Jesus to, when they questioned him, he would say, yes, that is the law, but consider this because he would always show us how the law was getting what out of hand it was getting out of hand so praise God what time is it Charlene all right well we are going to close up now is that okay I didn't get into the worship vision but I touched on you a little bit of some stuff that we're going to talk about on um we're doing glory night this Saturday night and I would like everybody to pray and I'm praying for a outpouring of his love to come upon us all. And if everybody comes in with the right heart, and I'm going to teach about how to press up in love, how to ascend in love, then the Lord already said, his word cannot come back void. I want it to be where people come in with the heart of wanting to experience the flow of his love. When we met Moses, have you met Moses yet? You know the testimony of Moses, right? You heard the testimony of Moses. Do you hear the testimony of Moses? Well, anyway, Moses, before he met us, he asked God to feel his love. And he got an onpouring of God's love. And then Gene texted him from Craigslist, can I see this vehicle? And when he came in here and he walked in and he heard that shofar was blown and they called for Moses, this man, and he looks like you, Kenrick. I mean, he really does. You love him. Um, but it was amazing how he felt so much love and who had it all prepared for him? God did. And he just had, people had to be hearers, doers, Man, Chris didn't know what he was saying when he blew the shofar and says, bring in Moses the day before. And Moses comes in the door the next day. So, I mean, come on. That's how we, we the, the message of Christ is really simple. It's so simple. We, the world, complicates it. And he just wants us to relax. He wants us to enjoy. And that's what I want to clear the field. Relax. The intensity. Nobody's getting their hands up. In fact, if you think you're getting punished, then you're walking in what? What does the word say? Fear. Fear brings upon punishment, but love, perfect love, cast out all fear. So even if God calls something on me and he's using it as a thorn in my side, I'm not to get mad. I'm not to get mad at the devil. I'm supposed to ask God. What are we supposed to ask him? All right, where are you taking me? What's the next revelation? It's going to be great. 
Remember, because it's exceeding greatness that you experience. Where, what are you going to show me? But you have to say, he wants us to keep what? Calling up to him, calling up to him, calling up to him. It's beautiful. I like that. There isn't anybody. How many people have thought in the world? How many people have thought that person has it all together? They've got it all together. They've got it all together. But the word says everybody is going to have a thorn in their side. Doesn't that make you feel better? Doesn't it make you feel like he set it up in Adam right from the beginning? That to me, then this is where my humility starts becoming leveled out. And I feel like I can meet everybody where they're at because I just know it's his way. And his ways aren't our ways. That doesn't make sense. He created a beautiful Adam. Everybody has that image. Good looking Adam, right? But yet he also put flesh in his side. He also put him in a trial. He exhaled him out and see what was going to happen. And then he came back in the garden and then he saw them hide because now they were aware that they were naked because why they had now what flesh. All right. But with our flesh, we have to be able to follow instruction and tend to what God has asked us to tend to, but don't take, I like it when the Lord taught me that, but don't take what you're not supposed to take. And that's something that that's when you know when you're desiring a taking feeling, that's part of getting into a sin. When you start imagining something you want to take, when God gives us a desire for his purpose, whether it's a desire for a vehicle, whether it's a desire for a husband, whether it's a desire for a certain job, he gives you that desire, but don't create it. Let him build it. He builds it. He gives you the desire, but then you have to sit and wait and let him what? Start building the Legos. Start making the form. And then he brings it to you. He shows you. He gives you a touch of it before it comes to pass. But that's what he says. Do you really trust me? If you read in Psalms, it'll tell you. Only the Lord. In fact, this is a good Psalm. We'll end on this Psalm. The Lord, this Psalm. I, I sent one of them to Jean this morning, too, that I thought was really good. But the Psalms which all about ascent, I want everybody to really meditate on that. And I'm sure you all just, you got to dive in your Bible and kind of check that out. Um, hold on, I got to find that. I, I wrote them all out, but it says, hold on, I think it might be 27. Oh, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. It's Psalm 127, verse 1 and 2. I sent this, this is where, I watch people come in here and their job is to learn how to ascend into the third heaven. So, cause in the ascension is when God matures you through the darkness, but he says, except the Lord builds the house, except the Lord builds the house. They labor in vain who build it, except the Lord keeps the city. The watchman wakes, but in vain, it is vain for you to rise up early to take rest late, to eat the bread of anxious toil, for he gives blessings to his beloved in sleep. Man, this ends the start of this. He put Adam to what? Sleep. So he could do what for him? Build something, right? So except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. So this is where, relax, because he's got to build the house. But now don't be naive. Don't be naive. That doesn't mean sit and twiddle your thumbs. That means worship, spend time with him, learn how to ascend and descend, ascend and get that truth where you, man, 
you do become a litmus paper for error. You can see error coming a mile. You can hear the error in the word. You can, and then that doesn't mean bad. That doesn't mean run. You run to the error and you love it, even when it can't love you. It's not going to love you. You know that we're going through some trial, persecutions. The more I hear that a person persecutes me, a persecution is mean they really just don't like you. They really, they, they want to beat you down. Persecution is beat you down. I know that there's people that might, I might rub the wrong way, but if they love me, they're going to do what? Come talk to me. You know what I mean? They're going to come and they're going to recognize we're all human. We're all going to go through this process to get into the supernatural. That's the supernatural that we're to live out of is the ascension of the, of the third heaven to have that tent of glory on us. But God's going to build it. We can't do it. We can't work ourselves to death to try to be perfect to get it done. So, but we can be perfect in love. Perfect in love. All right, I love you guys. Praise God. Anything else before I pray? All right, Cornelius. I'm just saying your name. Putting it out there. All right, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we love you with our whole heart, our soul, and our body. Lord, we thank you for the word of God, for it is a living and breathing word, and it is powerful, and it shows us the truth of where you're sending us to go, what you want us to be, and also the hope of his glory being formed in all of us. So, Lord, we extend out our arms and we lift up our head and we look unto Jesus for you have sent him the living word to show us this way in this direction. We honor you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.